Welcome to the Civil War Regiments podcast, here to provide you with the reading of accounts of the common soldiers of the American Civil War, the eyewitnesses who lived, fought, suffered, and died through five years of brutal conflict. It is my hope that the reading of these accounts will make history come alive for you and offer a better understanding of daily life during the American Civil War. Today's account is from Voices of the Civil War, The Wilderness, by the editors of Time Life Books. An entry by Corporal Clinton Beckwith of the 121st New York Infantry. During the Overland Campaign of 1864, and after the fighting at the Wilderness, the Army of Northern Virginia was entrenched at Spotsylvania, Virginia, with the Army of the Potomac continuing its offensive. At 6 p.m. on May 10th, two hours after an unsuccessful attack against Lee's entrenched army by General Warren's V Corps, Colonel Emery Upton led a chosen force of 12 regiments and a bold attack that broke into the Mule Shoe Salient. Beckwith describes the assault from its powerful start to its dismal finish. We were ordered to fix bayonets, to load and cap our guns, and to charge at a right shoulder shift arms. No man was to stop and succor or assist a wounded comrade. We must go as far as possible and when we broke their line, face to our right, advance and fire lengthwise of their line. Colonel Upton was with our regiment, and rode on our right. He instructed us not to fire a shot, cheer, or yell, until we struck their works. It was nearly sundown, when we were ready to go forward. The day had been bright, and it was warm, but the air felt damp, indicating rain. The racket and smoke, made by the skirmishers and batteries, made it look hazy about us and we had to raise our voices to be heard. We waited in suspense for some time. Dorai Davenport, with whom I tended, said to me, I feel as though I was going to get hit. If I do, you get my things and send them home. I said, I will, and you do the same for me, in case I am shot. But keep a stiff upper lip. We may get through all right. He said, I dread the first volley. They have so good a shot at us. Shortly after this, a battery stopped firing, and in a few minutes, an officer rode along toward the right as fast as he could, and a moment afterward, word was passed along to get ready, then fall in, and then forward. I felt my gorge rise, and my stomach and intestines shrink together in a knot, and a thousand things rushed through my mind. I fully realized the terrible peril I was to encounter, gained from previous experience. I looked about in the faces of the boys around me, and they told a tale of expected death. Pulling my cap down over my eyes, I stepped out, the extreme man on the left of the regiment, except Sergeant Edwards and Adjutant Morse, who was on foot. In a few seconds, we passed the skirmish line and moved more rapidly, the officer shouting forward and breaking into a run immediately after we got into the field a short distance. As soon as we began to run, the men, unmindful of or forgetting the orders, commenced to yell, and in a few steps farther, the rifle pits were dotted with puffs of smoke, and men began to fall rapidly, and some began to fire at the works, thus losing the chance they had to do something when they reached the works to protect themselves. I got along all right, and there were a number of us in the grass-grown unused road, and several were shot, but I could not tell who because I was intent upon reaching the works. We were broken up some, getting through the slashing and the abatee. 
By this time, the rebels were beginning to fire the second time, and a rapid but scattering fire along the works, which we reached in another instant. One of our officers in front of us jumped on the top log and shouted, Come on, men! and pitched forward and disappeared, shot. I followed an instant after, and the men swarmed upon and over the works on each side of me. As I got on top, some rebs jumped up from their side and began to run back. Some were lunging at our metal with their bayonets, and a few had their guns clubbed. Jim Johnston, Oakes, and Hassett were wounded by bayonets. One squad, an officer with them, were backing away from us, the officer firing his revolver at our men. I fired into them, jumped down into the pits and moved out toward them. Just at this time, our second line came up and we received another volley from the line in front of us and the battery fired one charge of canister. Colonel Upton shouted forward and we all ran towards the battery, passing another line of works and the men in them passed to our rear as prisoners or ran away after firing into us. Continuing, we ran over the battery, taking it and its men prisoner and on beyond until there was nothing in our front except some tents by the roadside, and there was no firing upon us for a few moments of any magnitude. I looked into the ammunition chests of the battery to see if I could find something to put in the vents of the guns to prevent their being fired again in case we had to leave them. I broke off a twig in the vents of two guns, but we were ordered to go to the works and move to the right. While moving as ordered, some rebel troops came up and fired a volley into us. We got on the other side of the rifle pits and began firing at them and checked their advance. It was now duskish, and it seemed as though the firing on our front and to our right became heavier, and the whistle of balls seemed to come from all directions and was incessant. I said to the man next to me, I guess our men are firing from the first line. We had better go back there. I don't believe our men carry the works on the left. He answered, the fire is all from the Rebs. In a moment, a battery opened up upon us and we fell back to the first line, over which I got and came across some of the regiment. We could now see the flashes of the guns and knew they were coming in on us. I knew that we could not stay there. Corporal Clinton Beckwith of the 121st New York Infantry